Welcome to the Nativist Podcast, where we tap into our instinct and natural power to live intuitively. The ultimate goal is to leave the world healthier and more beautiful than we found it. It all starts on the individual level by cultivating our mind-body connection. Whether you're on a healing journey or just want to look and feel your best, I hope by the end you feel a little happier, a little more inspired, and a little more invested in yourself and the world. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you. Okay, here we go. This is another episode I've been meaning to do for a while. So I guess that tells you right there, it's gonna be a deep one. And I honestly thought I had done it, but I see now what confused me is I had done a blog post on it years ago, a while ago. And I will link that in the show notes so you can read that if you want to. It's basically, well, I mean, it'll be a little different than what I talk about today, but a lot of the same information. Today's topic is eating disorders and my journey with my own body image and my eating disorders and yeah, definitely plural. So what I had... And even still, I think it's a lifelong journey and that's part of it. And let me back up a little bit. What prompted this was I did one of those ask me anything anonymous messages links on Instagram and somebody asked me, have you ever struggled with body image or disordered eating? If so, how have you gotten through it? And I think this is a topic that resonates with a lot of us. Even if you haven't specifically experienced disordered eating, I think so many of us are affected directly and indirectly. Are you sick of me saying that by now? (laughs) I I swear, every episode, but it's true. So many of these topics really do affect so many of us, if not us directly, then someone we know. And it does affect us and it affects us on a micro level, a macro level, a society, in our communities, in our healthcare systems, everything, the media, and they fuel a lot of this too. They fuel eating disorders, they fuel body dysmorphia, they fuel low body image and low self-esteem because why? I know why. Because the beauty ideals are constantly shifting and fluctuating and they're, I think, intentionally elusive. You're never going to hit all of the check marks that they say that you should hit because nobody will. I mean, they're constantly changing and they're contradictory. So you're supposed to have a big booty, but a tiny waist, but a this and a that, but not a this, but this at the same time, but not a that. And it's constantly changing. So back in the 90s, you're literally working your bums off and you have that's what all of the fitness media are all about you know, the workouts and all of that. You have Kate Moss as your body ideal. And then fast forward to now, big booties are in. You have the BBLs. You have people getting butt implants. And it's constantly changing. And I mean, it just is what it is. And Moss, yeah, he, my new puppy Mossmo, he fills me. That was total show of solidarity. And I mean, how, how can you compete? And also beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So what is beautiful to me not, may not be beautiful to you and what I find attractive, you may not find attractive. And we're humans and we come in all sizes and shapes 
And I don't know if you've heard that quote, and I'm not going to nail it verbatim, but this is the whole gist, where you look at a tree, you come across a tree or trees in the forest, and you're not critiquing them like, oh, mm, that tree definitely needs to be a little straighter, its bark needs to be a little lighter or a little darker, and you need to, I mean, you're not thinking that things in nature need to be a certain way. You just kind of accept them as they are. And so we're natural. Bodies are natural. Why can't we have the same standards or lack of standards for ourselves? And so that's that's setting the foundation for what we're going to talk about today. So let me tell you about my journey. And it starts, I mean, gosh, it starts even before me. I mean, we are the way we are because of the environments in which we were raised, nurture and nature. Also, I mean, that's important. I am a big believer in both. And so, I mean, I'm born into a world that is constantly telling me that I'm not enough, not enough, not my parents, gosh, no, but just like society at large. So you have that going on and you absorb it. Even if you don't think that you absorb it, you absorb it. And I really appreciate like, for example, I mean, I think females are hit harder with this. Males feel it too. Definitely males feel it too. But I'm grateful that my mom really never would critique herself in front of us. I mean, I can count on one hand. I remember I'm like very specifically anytime that she really made any sort of a comment about her. And I'm going to try to tiptoe delicately around this because I want to honor privacy so, but I also want to talk about the environment in which I was raised because that informs my experience, right? So let's just say, and my, and my parents, again, like I want to make this very clear, they were so loving towards us and always let us know the way we were was perfect and we didn't need to do anything. And constantly, the, my whole life, my parents have been like, you are perfect the way you are. We want you to be healthy. That is what matters. And you are beautiful and you don't need to change anything about yourself. And they were constantly trying to counterbalance, counteract all of the just self-loathing that I was feeding to myself and just how just I would annihilate my body and I just did not accept my body in the way that it was. And so they were constantly on the other end of that. So let that be known. But also... I was raised with the idea that fitness or taking care of yourself was important. I won't say which parent that came from, but I will just say that it was very important and that was just communicated not to us, but around us. And so I, I internalized that because as one does and so I grew up just thinking to be accepted, not by my parents, but just maybe by a partner, for sure by a partner and just people in general. I would need to take care of myself and look a certain way and be a certain weight. And I mean, it's not just the environment I was raised. Again, this is just media telling me this too. I'm, I remember, because I remember exactly where I was in the car. I was riding in the car and I was reading this magazine and it was like a Teen Beat magazine or whatever it was. And Dream, I don't know if you remember the girls group Dream was a singing group and they were talking about how they got those kicking rockin' bods. And I remember one of the 
one of the singers, one of the members of the group was saying, okay, so obvious, like, this is how I get my hot bod. And obviously, I shouldn't, I shouldn't give that voice because she's probably a very nice girl and very nice woman. And so she was talking about how she just maintains her physique. And she was saying how she says no to the obvious no-nos, like hamburgers and pizza. And I remember just reading that again and again, stunned and floored, like, wait, what? There are no-no foods? There are foods that are forbidden? There are foods that are naughty? There are foods that we're not supposed to eat? How did nobody tell me this by now? Aren't I supposed to know this if I'm supposed to look a certain way? Why did nobody communicate this to me before? And then that shifted me into gear, I think. I don't know if that was the catalyst, but it was definitely one of them. And so that launched me. And I remember, I think my earliest memories are in junior high, where I would start to restrict or I would start to watch what I ate. And to an extent, yes, that is good. It's good to minimize the sugar that you eat. But it was starting to impact my life and I was starting to focus and fixate on it. And I think that's when it becomes problematic. And I remember like one weekend I went out with my family and we went to Massacre Rocks and I, our, my sister's friend was there and I remember they were eating this popcorn with white bark on it that sounded delicious and I'd had it before I knew how good it was and I said nope I'm not gonna have any and I didn't and I one thing about me I have mega discipline I mean that's to my demise and so that started it and then I must have lost pounds I must have had some sort of difference because I remember one of my teachers had commented on it and I don't remember, I can't say specifically if it was like a positive comment, like, oh, I don't know. I, I guess I can't say if she did say, you look great. I just, I think she asked, did you lose weight? And so, I mean, I was off to the races after that. And it just kept going. And I would start to fixate on food. And I mean, ninth grade, that's when I would start to like binge because I would fixate on food and I'd have these forbidden foods and no, no foods. And so then that would... I'm a very extreme either or person, very, very extreme. It's either all or nothing. And so I'd eat, 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 eat. And then I don't think I had started to throw up then, but bulimia made its ugly appearance soon enough. If it wasn't in high school, it was definitely in college. And I knew people around me too had experienced this. And I won't out anybody because it's their own private journey, but it was around me. It was definitely in the zeitgeist. I mean, as many of you can attest from your own personal experiences, I'm sure. And so there it was. And then I would start to, I remember, ooh, in high school, I remember one summer I did summer school because I wanted to just take extra classes. <laughs> and I would essentially starve myself. I just wouldn't eat. I would eat severely restrict my calories. And then I would run. I remember I'd run at noon in the middle of the summer, just anything that I could do. And I just, I mean, I won't belabor this point, but suffice it to say, I, that's really when I started to exercise a lot and not eat enough to support that. And that ebbed and flowed through high school into college. And then college, it really just, it, it picked up full steam and full speed and it got really, really bad. So in this blog post that I had written previously, I 
kind of went through my schedule that I would have. And this was after college too. I mean, this was still, I mean, it's been, it's been a journey, like I said, and this isn't exhaustive, but okay. So here, here it is. Here's just an example. 5 a.m. Wake up and do an insanity video. Add additional cardio before and after the video started just to make sure I was getting all I could from the workout because if one of the reps, I just wasn't hitting it as hard as I could. I needed the buffers on the end and in the middle, actually. And then, so before the video started, I'd have like my additional moves and cardio that I would do. And then in the middle of it, I'd have extra reps and extra jumps and stuff that I would I'd have like 16 or more that I'd have to do in between each move and ex each exercise. And then at the end, I'd have to do the extra reps too. So it would, an hour and a half maybe, it depends on what the what the video was, but I usually did the hardest one, of course, because I had to burn the most calories. And so my workouts, which were supposed to be like 45 minutes or an hour, ended up being like two hours because I would add on the extra stuff before and after. So then I would get to work at 7 a.m., park my car as far from where I was going as possible so I could squeeze in some extra walking miles to and from classes at ISU and or at work too. And um, and I would park way, 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 way out where you didn't even need a parking permit. And 11 a.m., kickboxing aerobics class as part of my uh, classes. 3.34 p.m., I would arrive to Gold's Gym early so I could knock out some extra cardio. 4.30 p.m. and weights too. So I'd do extra cardio and extra weights. Um, 4.30 p.m. I'd do Pilates. 5.30 p.m. hip hop aerobics. And these are, I mean, I'm adding extra weights. I'm adding extra everything. Everything that I can do extra, I'm adding. And I'm going hard, 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 hard. My nickname at the gym was Energizer Bunny, which is ironic because I think I had, I wasn't feeding myself and I was exercising eight plus hours a day, I didn't have anything to support that. And I, every step was just like moving underwater and I didn't have the energy. I was just faking it and so desperate that I didn't do less than I did yesterday because I needed to burn as much. Okay, so 4.30 p.m. Pilates, 5.30 p.m. Hip Hop Aerobics, 6.30 p.m. Body Pump Weightlifting Class. And I'm lifting heavier than, I'm not saying this to brag, I'm saying this to, to show how severe my disorder ran and lifting heavier than full-grown men in there who work out often not because i'm so strong because i'm so desperate 7 30 p.m zumba and then in between all of this i'm working or going to school full-time and demanding excellence in, of myself in those areas as well straight a student doing extra and i'm not eating anything you guys i am not eating anything i am going all day so like at school, and I'm like taking tennis and different workout classes too, I'm not, I'm eating a green tea. I think I'd let myself have a green tea, like, um, like not Minute Maid, but one of those like bottles at like 10 a.m. or whatever. And then I'd have a special K bar and then I wouldn't have anything for the rest of the day. Nothing for the rest of the day. And then I'd get home at night and I'd crash and I can't remember, I'm a little, I mean, because this is just over a span of how 10 plus years. Sometimes I, during one stretch of my eating disorder, I would get home, I wouldn't eat all day and I'd come home after being gone all day, school or work or both or whatever. And this is after school too. Um, 
And then I would have, because I think my body was so desperate for calories and sugar and sustenance just to stay alive, then I'd have an entire box of brownies and I'd mix it up and I'd just add water. I wouldn't add anything else. And that's just what I needed to just freaking stay alive. And popcorn was my go-to. Air popped, not butter. When I got a little crazy, I'd add some coconut oil and some sea salt. And that's usually what I would have. Um, at some point I did, um, go through a period where I ate, and this is when I was eating a little bit more, which was great because I was finally fueling my body. I'd get just a bag of, or a bag of almonds from Winco from the bulk foods and I would just eat them and they'd be like seasoned, like they had talamari, I think is what they were called. And so they'd be like salty and I'd just get home from work and just eat until I wasn't full, which was great. There was that little pocket where I was able to just honor my appetite, which was really abnormal for me. And which was good because I needed the fat. I needed the calories. I needed that so much from those almonds. So I'm so glad there were like moments where I'd have some clarity and actually feed myself. But that is just how I live my life. I would exercise myself to the ground and then not eat nearly enough, nearly enough to support it. And it got bad. It got really bad. I remember I had just, well, my dad did the heavy lifting and did 90% of the work, but I had just installed new floors in my house. And I remember I was sweeping up after, and I wasn't kidding when I said that I was white knuckling it through my days, just one foot in front of the other, just that's all I could focus on because I was so so tired. Oh, and on top of all of this, you guys, I have sleep apnea and I don't have, I don't get a lot of oxygen to my brain. So that's, so I'm not getting the sleep that I need. So I'm exhausted from that plus stress. Plus I'm a, just a high strung person. <laughs> so all of this in the mix, I, I don't know how I'm still alive. Like I'm in, in awe of my body and all that it is endured. And so add all of that to the mix. So I'm not resting my body's not resting at night like it should and I mean even like post eating disorder I would still be just dragging just from my sleep apnea not getting enough sleep and enough oxygen and so oh my gosh so back to my story so I'm sweeping the floors and I remember I just was going so slow it almost looked comical and it looked like I was almost like being dramatic about it but that's truly I just was felt like I was moving underwater, you guys. I just remember every little step. I just have to pet myself up to get up from my chair and to walk across the room. And I somehow would do it because I was way too stubborn because I would not be lazy. I would not miss any opportunity to burn calories. And so I'm sweeping the floor. My dad's just watching me and he's like, wait, you're, I can't even remember what exactly he said but he's just like look at you you can't even sweep and so I think it was right around then that my family intervened and stepped in and they're like this can't go on this can't go on so they my family's so wonderful and they're so supportive and my parents found an outpatient eating disorder clinic in in uh, Utah, Salt Lake City. And so 
we would go as a family and they would all go with me. My sister, her wonderful boss, let her take it off of work, let her get off early from work. And my parents took leave from their jobs and they had wonderful understanding bosses who left them and we would drive to Salt Lake. So it was like, I think it was before the 80 miles per hour speed limits. It took a little longer. So it's like three hours there and back and would just go every Friday afternoon. And so I'd go and I would meet with a counselor and then I would meet with a nutritionist. And it was so hard. First, I the first counselor that I went to, I ended up not going to her long term. We just weren't a good fit. Let's just say that. The nutritionist was great, but she would have me drinking whole milk. She was just trying to get my weight up. And that was really hard. And my parents had me move back in with them so they could monitor me and make sure it wasn't up to my back of my old bullshit. And I don't know. I don't remember how long that lasted, but I would have to food journal. And let's just say that that instantly makes me tense up. Food journaling triggers me because it's hard. I think ADHD plays a part of that, just like time blindness and just monitoring. Even still, I it's hard for me to say how I don't know how many calories I ate a day. And it's hard for me to track that, A, because then once I track it, then it starts to become a thing. It starts to become a focus and then I'll fixate and think, oh, and I'll intellectualize it and try to manipulate it. And am I eating enough? Not too much. So it's, it takes me out of my body and into my head. And so that can be a little dangerous for me. I understand why she was having me food journal. I understand that. But then I'd start to be ashamed if I was like eating like a whole bag of baked lays because I was pendulum swinging I was trying to find my equilibrium and I wasn't quite there yet and it was it's hard even still it's hard for me to I think I have a better handle on it but I will I don't say that I feel a hundred percent solid so I admire people who can who have a good relationship with food and can just know not what their body needs, but they're just able to have like a healthy relationship with food. And I still, I don't know if I ever quite will. I have a good relationship with, with what I eat, but as far as if, this sounds weird. I'm trying to think of how to explain this because I feel like I do have a pretty good relationship with food now, but some of what muddies that up is my ADHD and the mono eating and like, I'll get like I'll get fixed on certain foods that I love and I don't know trying to make sense of this sometimes just is a little hazy and hard because there's a lot in the mix or or a lot of contributing factors and variables and all of that and so trying to ascertain what's causing what or I mean multiple multiple factors but as far as trying to pin it down on one thing and trying to organize my thoughts around this still is a little challenging just because maybe because it's so emotionally triggering, maybe because of the ADHD, both probably. And also it's just hard to talk about and hard to think about. And so I slowly started to get better, started to gain more weight, started to gain more weight. And I just remember how uncomfortable I felt and I felt massive when I started to gain weight. I mean, I look back at pictures and I'll post, but I look back at pictures when I was really in in the depths of my eating disorder. And 
I'd see how just for me, it just looks skeletal. I, it just wasn't right. I just didn't. I mean, I remember thinking how, how good I felt and I got a lot of compliments on how good I looked, which further fueled and perpetuated the eating disorder, which is why it is so dangerous to comment on people's bodies. Well-intentioned people, people who thought they were paying me a compliment and thought they were boosting me, but it just, I, I still remember people coming up saying, oh my gosh, you look so good. You look so good. I can see that you've been working really hard. Oh, you've lost so much weight. You look so good. I'm like, and there were, there was a time, I mean, my eating disorder has ebbed and flowed, like I've said, and there was a time when I lost weight unintentionally, and then people really started to comment on how good I looked, and then that just re-triggered my eating disorder. And I remember them saying how good I looked made me think, what did I look like before? Did I not look great before? This wasn't intentional, this eating disorder, this weight loss. The people think I looked bad before, and now I have to keep this up for people to think that I still look good. Obviously, I can't go back to what I look like because that wasn't good enough. I didn't get these compliments before. Oh, just, it's so hard. And I remember, and I've told them how much it meant to me. I call them my gym mamas. There were two people, Natalie Poole, I will call you out. You are one of them. And Lisa York, bless you guys. While everybody else was telling me how great I looked, they're like, no, no, no. They saw right through it. Nice, kind of makes me want to cry just talking about this. Wow. Did not think I would get emotional about this, but they were like, I'm worried about you. You don't look good. And this is after everybody else is telling me how good I look. And so to feel seen and to feel like they cared about my health and not to say that everybody else who's saying that I look good didn't care about my health, but they, they knew me. They, they knew... I mean, if they didn't, like, no, no, know me, but, I mean, I spent all my time at the gym, so they knew me pretty well. But it wasn't about what I looked like. It was about Whitney as an individual because we all come in different shapes and sizes, remember? And so what's my sweet spot with my weight, my physique, and what I look like is different from yours. And that's part of the problem is what is so hard for us and so dangerous for us is because we're constantly comparing even at the height of my eating disorder, I didn't have like, I wasn't ripped like some people are. I have friends who are ripped. Like I have one friend who actively tries to let her muscle, let her muscles be less noticeable because she just has just that long, lean, toned physique. And she's, because she has her own body issues. And so she's like, oh, I don't like, I don't, I look too masculine. I don't like this on me. But it's like the body that so many people are trying to achieve and literally kill themselves to achieve. And it's just effortless for her. And she's trying to like undo some of like what comes, what her natural body physique is. And it just, I mean, that just goes to show just how messed up all of this is. And we're just, we're never going to appease everyone. That is a huge takeaway. We're never going to appease everyone. And what works for me will not work for you, will not work for another person. And so what my sweet spot is, is not going to be yours. And so if I start to drop below a certain weight or look a certain way, now I have those gym mamas and then also friends and 
my family, especially my sister, she'll be like, nope, no, you're getting too thin. You're getting too thin. What's up? We need to talk. And it's not because, I mean, and there can be somebody that I'm standing next to and they're a lot thinner than I am, but it's, it's not their sweet spot. It's not, she can tell that I'm deviating from what I should be. And that's, those are the people that you need in your life who see you as an individual, know what's healthy for you and will call you out when you're deviating from that. And maybe it's like a medication or maybe it's a whatever that you're on. That's what they need to get to the bottom of. Hopefully, I mean, you can resolve that yourself, but still it's good to have people in your life who will check on you. And so that's where I was. I was just really struggling and having people reach in, like my family who intervened with the eating disorder treatment and other people who let me know that they supported me. I mean, that, that made the difference. And I was lucky. It got to be really, 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 really bad, really bad. And I made it through and I recovered and I relapsed a few times since then. It hasn't been smooth sailing like, oh, I'm cured. I'm good for life. I mean, it's something that I still have to be vigilant about. And I'll share some of the things that have helped me, but I just, and some of the the things that I think we need to look out for too. And so I also do want to say, I kind of referenced this before, but ADHD fuels a lot of eating disorders. And, oh, I don't like how I phrase that because I don't mean to make ADHD sound bad. It's just neurodivergent. I mean, ADHD is just how your brain is wired. It's not bad. It's not necessarily pathological, not the way I see it. It's just different. It's just a different category. So you're, you might be neurotypical and your brain works a certain way. My brain works a different way. And addiction and eating disorders are very common with people with ADHD for multiple reasons. And I kind of talked about that in my ADHD episode, if you've listened to it. So that that plays into it. Um, and also body dysmorphia, that fuels it. Um, poor body image. And like I said, with the shifting and elusive body ideals, that's partly why <laughs> it's the way it is. But... Actually, I want to go back to ADHD for a minute. So ADHD, some of the things that that uh, drive that too, or that are some, not symptomatic, not that drive that, but are common with ADHD is mono eating. So you'll get fixated on like a certain thing and that's all you want to eat. And I'm like that to a T. And part of it is because I, I truly crave, and I've said this before, and it's so important for me to emphasize this and emphasize it again because I... It's very important for me not to glamorize and romanticize and prioritize eating a certain way because we all need to eat according to what our individual bodies need. So there's that. I don't like the blanket diets or the blanket ways of eating. I mean, to an extent, don't eat arsenic. There's <laughs> a blanket statement, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you just have to figure out what works for you. And then I also don't want to... What it is, is I don't want people to think that I am saying that everybody needs to eat salads because look at me, look how healthy I am. I genuinely love eating them. It brings me so much joy. It brings me so much joy. And so I'm constantly saying, no, 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 like I genuinely crave it and I genuinely like it because I don't want people to think that I'm 
am judging them. I don't want people to think that I am advocating for them to eat a certain way. I think you should listen to your body and eat a balanced diet. And balanced diet means you're, if you love eating milk duds, eat milk duds. Unless you have a severe allergy to milk duds. You know what I mean? Like you just have to balance, live a life of balance. And you have to figure out what, what that means for you. But as far as ADHD, I have been eating the same salad. I mean, I guess it's evolved a little through the years and I eat the same thing every day. Part of it is because part of ADHD is it reduces the strain on decision-making and decision-making fatigue and I don't have to make decisions because I know what I'm going to eat. And part of it is I just, I genuinely crave it. Like I would have to force myself to eat a variety of things and diversify what I was eating because I just would crave the same thing every day. And it's, there's a chemical explanation for that. I mean, a neurological explanation for that. And I won't get into that here because that's more ADHD, but that's just part of it. And so I do want to note that. So I encourage you to listen to that ADHD episode because maybe you have ADHD. And I think a lot more of us have it than, than we think. Also, eating disorders, mine specifically, I guess I will speak for me, I won't speak for everyone, but mine is strongly related to a sense of control. If I'm stressed and I feel frustrated or powerless, then under eating or over exercising or both, I love doing both, uh, can instill a false sense of, of control. And so like with my face, that's when it really started to get bad, like with the, during the pandemic and I was going through my stuff with my face and I guess I should specify with what I'm talking about with that. So I stopped doing the regimen that I was doing for it to keep my acne under control and I broke out really bad and I knew, I knew what I was doing. Like back when I stopped taking antibiotics, I was on, on antibiotics for 10 plus years because it helped my acne. Like I was completely clear, but I just knew my dermatologist wanted me to just be on them indefinitely. And I was like, no, 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 I'm taking my health into my own hands. This is no bueno. This is not healthy. It's not healthy to be on antibiotics for three months. And so I knew what I was signing up for. I'm actually really proud of myself and I knew that it would be ugly but I took myself off of them and it was ugly and I found my way through to clear skin clear skin again and then figured out that what I was I was using benzoyl peroxide and I didn't want that I had kind of learned how not maybe awesome it is for your skin and so I wanted to go a more natural route and I knew that I would get hit again with a face full of acne and that's exactly what happened and that is soul sucking if you've ever experienced even just a little bit of acne soul sucking and so when I can't control what my face looks like and I feel so powerless with that controlling what my body looks like to help me regain some some sense of control some sense of feeling attractive I mean that all fueled the fire and so that came into the mix so I I mean it's been, I'll say it yet again, it's been a journey and ebbs and flows and still I've had to be vigilant whenever I start to feel out of control or like something else is going wrong in my life or, you know, something's challenging, then I have to really watch myself that I don't fall into anorexia or bulimia or orthorexia, which is a fixation on healthy eating or exercising too much. So here is what has helped. Here, here are the things that have helped me inner work. So that's self-reflection, that's therapy, 
that's facing your insecurities, that's empowering yourself, that's reframing my perception of fitness and beauty, acknowledging all my body does for me, like kept me alive when I just (laughs) tried to freaking kill it. I didn't actively try to kill it, but I mean, for all intents and purposes from the outside, that's what it looked like because I was just putting it through the ringer. And what's really helped me too is acknowledging again what my body does for me and how it keeps me walking and I can see things and experience life and I can run and jump and do all the things and maybe if loving your body seems unreachable shoot for body neutrality and so that's feeling neutral about your body so if waking up and saying oh my gosh I love my body or genuinely feeling like that just seems like it's just not going to happen for you baby steps and not that you even necessarily need to get to that point just how about going for body neutrality where you're not enemies with your body just minimum you're just not enemies with your body and you're like oh it's my body I mean I think that's even like better than oh I am so beautiful I look so good that's that's great in a way but also that's still that's still focusing on what we look like rather than how we feel and who we are inside And I love this movement that really advocates for body neutrality and focusing on the inside and not making all of your comments based on outer, based on appearance. And I think that that's so valuable in so many ways. And so I challenge you to not comment on somebody's body. And I've gone through in past episodes too and past posts about non-physical based appearance or non-physical based compliments that we can give and like you are such a light in my life that sounds too cheesy for you just I love being around you you're so fun you're so nice you're so kind you're so disciplined you're so determined you're so I mean whatever that's just not based on somebody's appearance can really boost them in more meaningful ways and also doesn't run the risk of triggering an eating disorder so I challenge you. Another thing that has helped me is connecting. So connecting to myself, connecting to others. The more I connect to myself, the more I can connect with others. Feeling seen and heard. Oh, just like with those gym mamas when they said, you're getting too skinny. That helped me feel seen and heard. But that just really, no matter what it is in life, that really just feeds my soul when I feel seen and heard and just growing up as the youngest I often didn't feel seen or heard or when I say valued my family loved me and I I know that and they love me present tense I know they do but just when you're the youngest and your sister (laughs) is the shot caller and she's used to being the authority and I just was used to not really being listened to or didn't feel listened to and so and there I've talked to my family about this and they're great and I mean we all have things we can work on and so it's just I I feel much better now feel listened to I feel listened to and seen and heard and I'm very appreciative but and that's a call too if you don't feel seen or heard maybe speak up and maybe speak to other people who you don't feel are seeing and hearing you what can you do to help yourself Okay, next thing that has helped me is not weighing myself ever. I don't know what I weigh. I guess, like I just got a new driver's license and I, I'll guess, but I don't know. When I go, I'm so grateful. There's only been, I think, one nurse who called out my weight, but I think they know by now. 
that just, I don't think they do it just in general because I think it's just such a trigger for many people and it's a privacy issue. So when I step onto the skull at the doctor's office, they don't say my way, oh, okay, great, you weigh blank pounds. They just write it down and don't say a word and I'm so grateful for that. So weight is just a number. Your BMI even, body mass index is just a, a number. It's a guideline. Some people who I know are ultra fit and very healthy have a high BMI. So that is not the gospel that you guys, that is not the end all be all for your health index. And even, oh gosh, I remember this was so bad. I was feeling great and I was excited because I'm like, I, I was teaching at Gold's and they have this body assessor that tells you like in depth your your muscle ratio all of this just tells you just basically how fit you are and how healthy you are supposedly because I was feeling great I went and got that done because I had a free session with it walked out of there feeling so demoralized and so triggered because that's not what I the numbers on the paper did not reflect how I felt and so I really had to fight to focus on how I felt that's paramount that's what matters and so for me if you're easily triggered I recommend that you don't even mess with any of that assessment stuff just focus solely on how you feel on how your clothes fit but more importantly like your energy levels how your focus your attention span your cardiovascular fitness just how you feel your strength your flexibility how do you feel do you feel good that's that's what matters okay another thing and I've kind of said this before having family and friends check me when they think I'm getting too thin prioritizing how I feel over how I look accepting all bodies are different so this means what works for your best friend may not work for you and beauty, like I said, is in the eye of the beholder anyway, so perfection, perfection is subjective and an illusion. There is no perfection. Nothing, nobody is perfect, or perfectly imperfect. And, I mean, it's subjective. What, again, what's attractive to me may not be attractive to you, and it still gets me because you still see that. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, what eating regimen are you on? Oh, what? I want to know exactly what your fitness regimen is so I can do that so I can look like you that's not you we can do the same things and it's not going to work you still won't look the same as me and I won't look the same as you and you're not going to look the same as your fitness influencer because hey you don't know I won't say all fitness influencers are on roids or you know doing things they shouldn't be doing or have disorders there's a very high chance that they do and many have come out and admitted this because it's just such a cutthroat appearance-based industry amplified even more than it is just being just living in this society and so how could you escape that without some sort of body dysmorphia issue or eating disorder or some sort of substance abuse issue you know i mean again not all of them but many of them do have those issues and it's just sad. It's so sad. So a big part of it too is working with my body and not against it. And so recognizing that my physique does not, I repeat, does not necessarily reflect effort and same for you and same for everybody that you see on the street. Just because someone looks super toned doesn't mean they're strong. Just because 
They don't look toned doesn't mean they're not fit AF. So don't equate visible abs with fitness. Some of the fittest people I know who are relentlessly disciplined with their exercise nutrition may be considered overweight by some. Been there. Some of the most ripped people I know are shockingly weak and don't work out or live on junk food. I feel and look my best when I'm exercising less and eating more. Hormones, stress, genetics, etc. They all play pivotal roles. I remember there was this one person I used to work out at the gym and she would constantly think, oh, I need to just work out more. I just clearly not doing enough and she'd constantly feel like she just had some flab she needed to lose. And I'll be honest, she wasn't super toned. And so her solution was just work out more and she was working out a ton, you guys. And it wasn't until she went elsewhere, customized it for her, and then she just was super toned. But it's not that she was, she, she was working out less, actually. She was just being smarter about it and customizing it to her. And hormones, cardio, cardio, cardio stresses your system. That's why you shouldn't be doing all cardio. Even like more than, an, and again, I won't play doctor here, so I guess I'll shut my mouth here. But more is usually not the answer. It's when I dialed back then I, when I really started to see results, inner and outer results. When I felt better, had more energy, and then saw more toning. And so, again, like some of the fittest people I know, the people who spend three hours at the gym, some would call them overweight. And it has nothing to do. It's not that they're, this is one of my pet peeves. And I know some, know some people who think this and it just, it really frustrates me that they think, oh, they're just sneaking some peanut butter in the pantry then. You know, they're just sneaking some extra bites. They're just, oh, it's just that they're, they're just lazy. Like I see that person, they're really overweight. They're just lazy because they're not working out hard enough and or they're just sneaking some candy bars. I mean, they may look like they're eating healthy on the outside, but you don't see them at night, late night snacking. No, I I can speak for myself. I know I was on, I was eating 100% healthy, not eating enough calories. I wasn't cheating. I wasn't sneaking a chocolate cake at night. And yet still it was, you know, I would get a little flabby. It's because my body was trying to it knew that I would starve it, so I was trying to hold on to fat to keep alive, to save, to protect my vital organs. And so stress plays a large part in it. Hormones, all of that, you guys, stress, I mean, cortisol, it's a hormone. But you get what I'm saying? And many of you know this, so preaching to the choir, and I won't condescend, like, you don't know this, but it's just, it's so important to just look at the person holistically and think, what's going on in your lymphatic system, your lymph system plays a key role in that too and flushing the toxins and the fat out of the body. And if it can't, if your lymph system isn't, if you have blockages, how is it going to flush anything out of your body? And your body, I I follow Stop, Trust, Stop Chasing Pain on Instagram. And Vera told me about Stop Chasing Pain, so I'm so grateful for that. And... I even signed up for his lymphatic system, Lymph Mojo, I think is what it's called. Um, really grateful that I did. And he just talks about just where you have obesity and fat. And again, this is maybe reductive and I'm not a doctor. So I won't, I won't say really any more on this. But basically, if you have weight issues, that's a lymph issue. And so that's when you need to work on clearing your lymph. And so 
I highly encourage you to look at Stop Chasing Pain and or like look into your lymphatic system. And there are different techniques that you could do for that. I do like a lymph massage every day. It takes like four minutes, not even five minutes, three minutes, really fast. And cold plunges or cold showers alternating between hot and cold can really activate your lymph system and drainage and jump roping, rebounding, jumping on a trampoline, which is called rebounding and or jump roping. Great walking, deep breathing, great for your lymphatic system, great for everything. Walking is like, they say the best because it is, you can walk quickly so you can elevate your heart rate and then you can activate your lymph system and drainage and it's really good it's really calming it's still moving so you can get your heart rate up but then it's also relaxing I mean it's uh, not stressful on your joints it's great okay going back to what has helped me creating creating helps me so much helps me get out of my head it helps empower me it helps fulfill me it inspires me oh it just helps me come alive and stay alive Next, eating when I'm hungry, stopping when I'm full, not counting calories or dieting. And this can get a little tricky because I have, I'm lactose intolerant, so I don't eat dairy. I'm essentially vegan. And part of that is, I mean, it's not necessarily because I don't think people should eat meat. I don't think this gets a little dicey. And I, I honestly, personally don't have a problem with hunting. I am not a hunter. If you know me, I'm like a Buddhist. I don't kill spiders. I just gently usher them out of my house. Um, I don't like to kill bugs. It's hard for me. I don't judge people who do. I understand this is the way that I see it. There's a circle of life in nature. So you have apex predators. You have people, I mean, we're essentially killing plants when we eat them, right? I remember watching Yellowstone and Kevin Costner's character points that out. I mean, you're killing... Well, I don't know if it was him. He makes a comment like that, but also when he was like showing his grandson how to hunt, but also I have heard that elsewhere too. But really think about it. It's the circle of life. We're killing something to eat and to fuel ourselves and to survive. And so I I don't like hunting for sport. I personally don't like that. But, and I think that there's like a... a dignified way to do it trapping I am wholly against I don't care who you are usually on any topic you'll find me going but you know each their own no I do not I think that's a horrible way to go at least especially the traps where they're just ensnared and then left to die that is barbaric it is cruel there's no need for that oh we're off topic I understand the circle of life I'm vegan, not necessarily because of that. I understand um, part of that and part of watch the Save the Movement. Look that account up on Instagram and that's really hard. I I think that it's horrific the way that we treat animals in factory farms and the way that we just treat them like nothing. And it's so cruel and it's just so disturbing, some of those images and videos. And again, you have to be careful what you see on the internet I mean anything can be doctored but it happens and I I know that it happens and it's just so I don't love the thought of of that and but also I just I'm part bunny I just gravitate towards towards vegetables and fruit and I love that naturally and also I don't really eat gluten I'm not celiac I don't have celiac disease but 
I have an intolerance for sure. And I've had a lot of tests done and stuff. So anyways, that's what I prefer. And so I, other than that, I don't really advocate for just following like a regimen. Again, maybe if that works for you, if the keto diet works for you, or if any of these others work for you, I mean, as your body, you get to decide. And what works for someone doesn't work for another. And so that's part of your responsibility is finding what works for you. So power to you, go for it. Okay. What else helps me? Educating myself about my body, addressing any issues like the lymph system, hormones, etc. Why things do what they do, why they work the way they work, how my body works, how my body should work if it doesn't work. I mean, all of that and just putting the pieces together and figuring it out. And it's very empowering and it's very illuminating. And I just have an insatiable curiosity. So that really helps me. Okay, so we're almost at an hour. Thank you for coming on this ride with me. And I mean, I don't have an ending for this because I still, it's still something that I work with daily. Now I, I like what I see in the mirror, but I'm also a little thinner than I usually am. And so I'm constantly like, is, am I eating what I need to be eating? Am I eating enough? I don't exercise as much as I used to. So I've had to pull back from that. Girls, women, a good indicator if you're not where you should be is if you're not menstruating, if you don't have your cycles. So if you're not having your cycles and you think that you're maybe eating too little, too much, I mean, well, I guess too much, eating too little or not, uh, or exercising too much, it's called amenorrhea. It's because your body knows that it can't support another life. You can't get pregnant because your body knows that it's just trying to stay alive, you know, and it's in a very stressed state. So go get that checked out if you think that you might uh, not be getting enough calories or, you know, your body might not be functioning like it needs to. And so I I just, I, I feel okay now, but it's constantly something that I constantly have to check and level with myself and be honest with myself and so it's just that journey continues and it, it will continue and I don't anticipate ever there being a time maybe maybe in the future but I think it's something that I'll just think about it doesn't consume my life like it used to and I feel better than ever I have I feel like a new person I have energy I feel wonderful and a lot of that is because I've also tweaked other things in my life I just got my deviated septum fixed again so hopefully I'll get some more energy or some oxygen <laughs> to my brain which will help with energy and with focus and with just you know metabolism and all of that and just that's part of where educating yourself about your body comes in and I like to try new things I I am a big believer in not working out not doing a workout that you hate there are so many different kinds of workouts so many different kinds and so many different recipes and foods to try and it's just so many things to to not get in a rut and to not hate it to not hate what you eat and to not hate how you work out but just move your body and find what works for you and now I don't follow a, a particular regimen because now it's just more about moving to feel good I still push myself but I'm not pushing myself like slowly I start I've 
chilled out the older I've gotten to where I don't kill myself anymore. I'm better about recognizing my, my limits. I pulled back a lot on cardio and it's just prioritize now how I feel rather than how I look. Um, now I used to hate my arms. I used to think they were massive and beefy and ugly. Now I love them. They're one of my favorite parts of my body because they look so strong. I see my shoulders. I love them. I, I love feeling strong. And it's so ironic because I, it was after enough people commented on them. Oh, look how like, strong. Look how yoked your arms are and then I started to see it and that came from complimenting myself on my body and again this isn't necessarily body neutrality but I'd start to tell myself no I love I love my body I love my body and something that I found it's not necessarily faking it till you make it because it was very wholehearted and very intentional it's very genuine where I would just repeat it until I really started to believe it and then I really started to sign on to it. And I love my body. I love my body. And I just pick out things maybe that I didn't necessarily love before. And just, ooh, look at my arms. Look how much they can carry. Look how much they can lift. Look how much they can do. And then I started to really develop a love for them. So if you're feeling down in it and you feel like that just seems so unattainable to where you'll be able to make friends with your body, Nope, you can get there. I am telling you, you can do it. It is possible. It is absolutely possible. Please reach out if there's anything I can do to help you with that. Because I want that so badly for you. So, 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 so badly for you. Thank you for listening. And I would love to hear what you guys think about this. And just... Keep doing what you're doing. Let's all be kind to each other. I love you.